and welcome back to the fourth season of Scene to Song, a musical theater podcast for people who love to discuss, critique, and celebrate musicals as a literary art form. I'm your host, Shoshana Greenberg, and each episode I'll bring on a guest to talk about a musical, musical theater writer, or a topic or trend in musical theater. My guest today is Jaime Lozano. Jaime is a musician, vocal coach, composer, arranger, orchestrator, musical producer, and musical theater director from Monterey, Mexico. Jaime is in the current Joe's Pub Working Group and the Civilians R&D Group, and his musicals include Off-Broadway's The Yellow Brick Road, Children of Salt, which was the winner of the 2016 New York Musical Theater Festival's Best of Fest, and Present Perfect. His album, Jaime Lozano and the Familia, Songs by an Immigrant, was released by Broadway Records. On September 23rd, he'll present his show Celebrando the Hispanic Heritage Month at Feinstein's 54 Below. We're going to talk today about Latinx stories and bilingualism in musical theater. Hey, Jaime. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Shoshana. Hola a todos. Thank you for having me he uh, here. I'm very excited to, to be talking with you and sharing about musical theater. Oh, thank you. So great to have you here as well. Um, we are going to get started as we do with our get to know our guest questions. Uh, first up, what was your first experience with a musical? You know, my first experience with a musical was actually uh, through TV when I was when I was um, a kid uh, back in Mexico. We don't have like a lot of musical theater, to be honest. And and even like when I was a kid, we have less musical theater then. So the first thing that I saw, like it was a musical, uh, was in TV and was uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, oh. because they used to broadcast. Uh, like the 70s movie, like every April, like March, April, every year, they used to, to have that in TV. And to be honest, at that time, I hated it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I, yeah, it's like, I I mean, I was a kid, I was maybe eight, nine years old, maybe, I, I don't remember exactly, but I, I couldn't understand at that time what, what was going on, why there were like, like, dressed like that, like in the <laughs> desert, and not of nowhere, like singing, and and I didn't speak English. I mean, I, I just learned English when I got here to New York City. So mm -hmm. at that time, it was hard for me to watch something in English with right. subtitles, and it was like like weird for me because it looked old, <laughs> but so it was it was weird. So at that time, I, um, I, I didn't like, like, um, like what, what it was like, this my first uh, contact with musical theater, but uh, years later, when I was, uh, I didn't have any contact with any kind of artistic um, activities when I was a kid. I mean, in, in my family, no one does musical theater, no one does anything related with art. So I, I am the only person that is like working on something like that. Mm -hmm. And when I, uh, started studying I was studying music and singing originally I, went, I wanted to be a singer like many of us that like we started like wanting to be on stage and when I was like starting my my degree in singing uh, they were doing audition at my college for a, for a musical and um, 
I auditioned for the show and I got in. And can you guess which musical was it? Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh. And that was like my first like contact, like storytelling and musical theater. Uh, yeah. Now in a more conscious way, you know. The show followed you. <laughs> yeah. And, and after that, uh, I directed a show in Mexico like two, three times, like in, oh, in, an, wow. in an amateur version and then a professional version. Yeah. So in some in some way, we have a long story. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. So did you end up liking the show at that point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. To, yeah now it, I think it's... Um, I mean, I, I know we all have our feelings about Andrew Lloyd Webber and, <laughs> and that kind of theater. But to be honest, I really enjoy Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, I, I think. And I'm really grateful with that show because at the end was that show that uh, that showed me what is what is storytelling, you know, in the, in the uh, through musical theater in, in, in its very basic form. Which musical has had the the greatest impact on you? When I got to New York City, uh, I did I I didn't speak English at the time. I only came to to New York because I got a full tuition scholarship to do a master program at NYU. And that was the only because I didn't have the money. I come from a very poor modest family and I didn't have the money to study and I didn't speak English. Uh, I don't know how they accept me, but I got into this program and I remember that one day I was walking through Times Square and I found a flyer with a that was promoting a show that the guy in the flyer looks a lot like my brother and i said oh i'm gonna i'm gonna go to see this show and that show ended being a the of broadway version of in the heights at 37 arts um theater that doesn't mm-hmm. exist anymore uh, and when i got into the theater and start listening the people like speaking and singing in my language, in my, you know, in my original language, I just start crying. crying. I, I didn't know that that was possible. That was the moment that I was sure that I was in the right place to keep in some way like that journey. I, 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 I knew that I wanted to do something like that, that I wanted to create shows that reflected what I, what I was, what I, what I am and uh, where I come from. What moves you the most in a musical and what are some examples of that? Uh, what moves me, I, I'm a very emotional person, like very, very, I mean, then I would say that when I go to the theater and I don't cry, <laughs> I know that something is very wrong with that show. And one of my favorite moments, I mean, I'm going to talk a, a, again about something related with Lin-Manuel, but I think that he has two of the most successful musical theater numbers in uh, contemporary musical theater. Uh, that maybe a song sometimes, uh, maybe a song just by itself doesn't show like all that, that magnificent that, that there is that it is, uh, but two of my favorite moments in musical theater uh, are 96,000 from In the Heights and Satisfied from Hamilton. Yeah. That I really think that everything is working with the same mission, like to tell the same story. 
and it's very successful. That number is very, very, those two numbers for me are very successful because everything is working to tell the same story. Who is your favorite hero character or protagonist in a musical? And who is your favorite villain or antagonist in a musical? I mean, I like, for example, uh, one of my favorite characters is um, Mama Rose from the Gipsy, from Gipsy, mm -hmm. for, for example, yeah. because I think she has both sides all the time. You know, or George from uh, Sunday in the Park with George mm -hmm. that also has both sides. Uh, there's there's a show that I it was a big flop um, on Broadway that is the Caveman, and it has a lot of problems. The show, but the character they were trying to tell the story of of a guy with bad decisions and how he was changing through the years and was trying to be a better human being. And I think that those are the kind of characters that really speak to me, you know, that I feel like, yeah, it, it's like me, of course. Right. I just, I, I, I didn't have money and I just jump on the subway so I can get into the subway, you know, because I didn't have money to pay for the subway. And I have done that a, a few times because I don't have money. So I don't pay for the subway. And that doesn't mean that it's something good. It's something that I'm not supposed to do, but, but I do it because I, have to do it right. another way I'm, I can go to work right you know so our circumstances take us for through paths and we have to make all kind of decisions and I think those are the characters that that, that, that I interested in to, to see on stage what is your favorite musical that no one else has heard of ah <laughs> this is a hard one. I mean I love I'm in love with flops. I, I love a lot of flops, like like yeah. Caveman. Caveman mm -hmm. is one of my favorite musicals. Mm -hmm. Even it's not the best musical, you know, like structurally, and I mean, maybe the story is not clear, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it has seen that that really appealed to me. Uh, another show that I really love is another flop. It was on Broadway as well. It's uh, Gospel at Colonus. Mm, yeah. That it's a very... Um, there's something very different, you know, maybe it's not, it's, there's not a lot of action because everything is very presentational, but the fact that the authors committed to that form and they decided to do it like that, no matter what, I think is very brave and it has a lot of merit. Uh, I, I, uh, so I always try to find like the best in, 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 in every show. And I have one of my favorites from actually from the program uh, from, um, it was a show written by um, Sarah Cooper and Zach Redler. Mm -hmm. uh, it was called, it has, it has had different names through the years, but I, uh, one of his, its name was The Memory Show. Yeah. It was a two people, a two person show. Uh, I love it, it was one, one of my favorites. I love it and I saw it on, um, as a reading at, at NYU when we were graduating. And I just follow the show wherever it was. Uh, and I, it, it's also one of my favorite shows. I think it's very, very smart. It's different. Sarah Cooper, actually, a guest, a former guest on the, the podcast, too. What is a moment in a musical that you think gets to a complex emotional state you didn't think was possible to get to? If I have, if I have to say a moment, now that, that I mentioned... Uh, Mama Rose, for example, I love uh, her 11 o'clock number at mm -hmm. the end. I mean, I think that, that it's, it's completely unexpected. It's three-dimensional. It's, I mean, it has everything. I mean, like lyrically, musically, 
acting wise, it's, it's everything there. Uh, or for example, like um, move on from uh, Sunday in the Park with George, that everything is working. It's exactly the same that I said before, that everything is working with the same purpose. Yeah. So I, I found this moment just like, uh, even they are not perfect because if you are picky, you're going to find something that is not perfect, but we, we can find some kind of perfection as we do arts, you know? Right. Great. Well, let's move on to uh, move on. <laughs> let's move, move on. on. <laughs> let's move on to our topic, which is Latinx stories and bilingualism in musical theater. Um, so yeah, I guess let's start with, um, kind of where you come from with this topic, what musicals, um, you feel that there are for Latinx musicals and, and maybe what is, what is lacking? Yeah. You know, I, I was born and raised in Mexico, so I didn't know when I when I when I was growing up in Mexico and even when when I started doing musical theater I didn't know that all this diversity exists like somewhere you know like like New York City the moment that I came to New York City and I was walking on the street it was just like like something it, it, it was something spectacular for me to to listen all these different languages at the same time and see all those different colors and shapes and shades and you know facials. Uh, I mean, everything was 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 really impressive for me because back where, where I'm from, we, we all look the same. You know, we don't have like a lot of that diversity because we, I mean, because my city is not like a big capital, and it's not like a, we attract a lot of people from different countries. So uh, when I started writing musical theater, I was writing the stories, yes, related with my country, but it was more like a very um, how can I say like like nationalism nationalism I don't know how to say the word like national nationalism like very nationalista mm -hmm. yeah. nationalism yeah uh, nationalist or nationalism yeah. yeah and I was writing about for example my first musical was about a genocide in Mexico City mm -hmm. there was something weird to, to write about in a musical uh, so I was writing about my country but being in my country and at the moment that I came to New York. I saw in the highs, I start seeing all these different people around. Then I go to the theater and there's a musical that is supposed to happen in New York City. And then I watch in the show and it doesn't look like the street that I was, I just was in, you know? Right. Why all these people look in some way if I just come from New York City and it doesn't look at all like the thing I'm, I'm, I'm seeing right now on stage. So all that start like, like, provoking things on me that something is not um something is not is not right it, and it's not it's not only about casting it's, it's not only about diversity on stage but diversity uh from i mean from the bottom or from the top i, I don't know how you want to call it i mean from the writer from the stories from the producer from the casting directors i mean you mentioned you know in the heights i think there's also you mentioned on your feet as another musical um yeah i mean i i in the heart is written by 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 people of colors yeah. on your feet is written even it's a jukebox musical i mean there's it's written by people of colors mm -hmm. 
I, I can say the same about Caveman. I mean, Caveman was written by by a by by a a, a white guy, uh, and even he has like some um, people like helping him, and it, it's not the same. I mean, at the end, it's some people trying to tell other stories that I don't think is wrong. I don't think it's wrong. The, the, the thing that is wrong is when you want to do it just by yourself mm-hmm. and you don't include the actual people involved in the fact. Right. You know, right. Involved in those stories. Yeah, you can do it. If you're not, you don't, maybe I, I'm interested in, in a story from China, from Africa. I mean, yeah, because it's, it's stories. I love stories and I love to tell stories, but I don't want to, the ground, I mean, it could be grown if I want to tell one of those stories just by myself, mm-hmm. because I don't know about that culture and I don't know about that language and about that kind that people. So I need to to put in the same level as me that maybe I had the idea of the show to have in the same level, not as consultants, not as assistants or associate. No, in my same level as creatives, people that are actually gonna help me to to tell the story in a respectful and honest way. Almost any other musical that you name that it's in some way related with a Latin culture. And for example, in Mexico, that word doesn't exist. We don't say, we don't call our people Latin or the people from Latin America, or we don't call them Latinos. That That, that is a concept created here in the, in, this, in the United States. So we can, we could label these people. Uh, so I, I think that as Latinx people, Latin, uh, Latinos, whoever the people want to call it, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what we're trying to do now lately, like take owner, ownership of our stories that they were told before for other people. I mean, like West Side Story, like Caveman, like, um, no, there, there are many other shows. Uh, that we love those shows. Yeah, I, I, it's not like they were maybe kind of right for the moment that they happen, mm-hmm. but we can't allow to keep that, you know, that, I mean, like the same pattern going on 20, 30, 40 years later, you know? Right. Yeah, Those. I mean, those two, West Side Story and Kate Man are, are interesting. I mean, you said Kate Man, Paul Paul Simon wrote that one, right? Paul, yeah, yeah. He um he he worked with with other collaborators to to work on uh you know be honest and and authentic about it. What um and you said you know it's one of that you love that musical. What about it is um what what about it is what you love and feels honest and authentic to you? Do you know there's something that on your feet, in the Heights, Cayman, for for a guy's name, Jose, that mm-hmm. they have in common. There is one guy, one guy called named uh, Oscar Hernandez. Mm. Oscar Hernandez is an amazing uh, music director, arranger, orchestrator. He has won uh, multiple uh, Grammys and Latin Grammys. Uh, and he has done a lot of, of arrangement and, and orchestrations for all these shows. I mean, he's not credited like the main orchestra. I, feel, I think for Caveman, he's 
main, like one of the main orchestrators. But for all the other shows, he just does like like little section of those show, like the more Latin section, blah blah. Uh, but a lot of people in musical theater does, don't know his name. Yeah, uh, he lives now in in LA, and he has been involved with all these Latino shows and. Uh, and people, when they wanted like some kind of music advice about to tell these stories, the first name that everyone was telling was, oh, just call Oscar Hernandez, ask Oscar Hernandez, and and they would hire him to do all this, all this, all this work. So I I think that one of the things I, mean, I don't know Paul Simon, but I think he has he had good intentions trying trying to tell the story mm -hmm. and in some way you can you can feel that honesty in that show no one knows you like i do nobody can know your heart the way i do no one can testify to all that you've been through but i will I was born in Puerto Rico and my blood is Taino, Spanish Caribbean, my soul. We came here wearing summer clothes in winter, hearts of sunshine in the cold. Your family rented this apartment You'd watch the street lamps from your perch In the sacramental hour Your stepfather in black Preached the fire of the Pentecostal church No one knows you like I do Nobody can know your heart the way I no one to testify to all that you've been through but this will I was born in Puerto Rico I mean I think that that I think there's honesty in the music I I, I when uh, and they also they they call all the cast was at that time was uh, Latino people and and I mean, very important Latina people nowadays. I mean, the, the, the two leads in uh, Cayman uh, were Ruben Blades, Ruben Blades, uh, that is like a Latin institution in in, uh, in, in the world. Right. I mean, he's an activist, composer, musician, politician. I mean, he's very into all, uh, you know, he's not just a, 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 a performer. He has always trying to, to make a change in, 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 you know, in the industry and in the community. And the other lead was Mark Anthony, that is a superstar now, you know. Uh, so they were trying the best as they could in that moment, I think so. Uh, that's what I feel with that show. And that's why it, that, that's why it's, it, it's feel honest. And I, I, I kind of have some, you know, like, like, some respect for that show and I like it and I think that, that, that they were trying to do it. But I mean, even today, they, they couldn't write that show in that way today. Right. They need to do it in another way. I mean, I'm glad that they tried like that. Uh, how many years ago? I don't know, like 
20 years ago. Um, I think, yeah, I think it was late 90s. Like yeah, late 90s, yeah. yeah. So, so I, I'm glad the other people wanted to tell our stories. I mean, I, that's good. Yeah. That means that there are stories to be to be told, you know, that, that, right. that, but yeah, as I said before, it just, we just need, I don't, I don't believe, I believe in the work community, but I don't, I don't believe that communities are just like mm-hmm. isolated, you know, I think they, it needs to be some kind of intersectional community, you know, that one community is always a good ally for the other community mm-hmm. and a good supporter for other communities. And I think it's the only way that, that we're going to make a change. Like it's not about this community against the other community, but it's more about this community working together with this other community. And that's what I love about musical theater, that musical theater is the pinnacle of uh, collaboration and community. You uh, had mentioned, um, you know, writers taking ownership of their own stories. I wanted you to, if you could talk about, you know, what you're working on and and what other writers you know of, in uh the latinx community who are who are also writing and and taking ownership of of their stories yeah i mean uh things are are, have been changing during the last years when i got here i realized that i was the the first mexican ever accepted at uh, that program at at the graduate musical theater where you program i was the first mexican Mm -hmm. and before me they were only two or three latinos we're talking like 20 years later after 20, almost 20 years, there only they have only been three or four Latinos. And it's not the program's fault. It's not because they didn't accept a Latino. It's, it's, right. it's a lot of a lot of things, you know. I'm not proud about being the first Mexican. It, uh, it's something I'm not proud. I'm not proud that I'm one of, or I was at that time, one of the few people that if Alex couldn't do a job, oh, he passed my name because there was like, a, like just two, three, four people uh, rela- uh, doing that. Um, but thanks to Lin Manuel, I think people start like turning uh, and trying to see these different stories, and uh, he, in some way, I think I, I, maybe this is not the right idea, but he gives permission to other people so they know, oh, I can write those, those kind of stories. I don't know too many composers, but I a lot of I know a lot. Of, I mean, there there's a girl, uh, um, a Puerto Rican American girl named uh, Michelle Rodriguez. Oh yeah. Uh, she yeah. she uh, she's called um, she likes to be called Misha. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's amazing. Uh, she's bilingual. She writes in English. She writes in Spanish. Uh, she's a, she's a composer. There's uh, there's another there's an actor. Uh, he has been in a, on a couple of Broadway shows named Robbie ha- Hager. Robbie Hager. Actually, he's Mexican, uh, but he has been here in the States for a long, long, long time. He has been in a couple of Broadway shows and he's writing musicals now. Uh, he has, he was just selected for the O'Neill. He did the O'Neill um, with another Mexican writer also born in Mexico named Georgina Escobar. Uh, he, she's um, uh, lyricist, a book writer. There's another um, guy from Texas named David Davila. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, he's amazing. He's also a book writer, lyricist, yeah. composer. I mean, he, he he's a, a triple threat writer. Right. Um, 
so yeah, there's a lot of people I, I, uh, that we're trying to, you know, like, like to keep those doors open and just like, you know, it, I think it's, it's about something that I have learned is not is that, that we need to, to be part of a, of a community if we want to create a, a change, you know? So mm -hmm. having all these writers working at the same time, trying to tell their own stories, we are all with different backgrounds. I mean, I'm an, I'm an immigrant. Mm -hmm. I, I'm still struggling with English, struggling as a Mexican immigrant with a son born here in the state. My wife is an immigrant also. We don't speak perfect English. Uh, all, of, all our families are back in Mexico. Mm -hmm. uh, we see them. I mean, now we have more than two years with uh, the, we, we don't see each others. Right. So we have very specific stories. Of course, someone who was born here that is a first, second generation son of immigrants is going to have another story or someone that is an immigrant, but that they speak perfect English and they have other, they have been struggling with other things, but not with language. They're going to have other stories. So not, and someone from Mexico, someone from Colombia, someone from Puerto Rico, someone from Honduras, they're going to have different stories. We're not the same. So it's in that diversity inside a community that we're going to have, we're going to found the strength to keep our stories moving forward and to reach more, to be able to reach more people, you know? Yeah. I mean, we talked about Kate, man. I was really interested in the, the show Four Guys Named Jose. I hadn't heard of it before oh. and looked it up and uh, it was only about 20 years ago uh, off Broadway uh, that they did it. Yeah, it was an off-Broadway show. It was actually also a jukebox musical mm. uh, with all with a lot of like lat Latino hit songs that they used to tell a story. That there's not a lot. There's no, there's not really a story. It was more about the right. songs. Uh, but it was a huge success off Broadway. Uh, I think the opening night, like they have like a, all these huge names, like Harold Prince. Uh, I mean, like big names came to the opening night. I think one of the producers, if if I'm not wrong, was um, a very successful uh, uh, pop singer from Spain called Enrique Iglesias. Mm -hmm. um, he was one of the producers of the show. Uh, I know they're trying to do a, a um, like a four guys named Jose, uh, second version now that they're trying to do a new version uh, but Oscar Hernandez was part of the show as well I mean it's it's it was a show that that the writer the book writer was Latina the music director the orchestrator was Latino I think the conceiver was uh, from him from the state an American guy uh, but they I, what it's what I think that that we can uh, take from this show is they were trying to to bring more Latino voices on board, you know, to write a book, to do an arrangement that didn't happen with other shows before. Right, right. Ladies and gentlemen, gringos y latinos, bienvenidos. Tonight, aquí mismito, we present to you the most loved Latin songs. Nadie comprende lo que sufro yo. Canto 
pues ya no puedo sollozar. Sola, temblando de ansiedad estoy. Todos me miran y se van. To It's interesting, like, that was a jukebox musical. There's not as many original scores written by uh, Latinx composers, lyricists, uh, as much on your feet was jukebox, even though yeah. it's original but, from uh, Gloria Stefan, but... I mean, being honest, in, my, in the world that I know, mm -hmm. I know more words people than music people that are Latinos. Yeah. I, at least that's my world. Right. Uh, and and in, in talking about musical theater, of course, I know a lot of composers uh, that are Latinos or they're from other countries, but they don't do musical theater. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing. Uh, there's a very particular um, phenomenon, I would say. Uh, they are trying to do Latino musicals now, like for a long, long time, they have been trying to do like Water for Chocolate. Mm. Uh, now they're trying to do now another movie that is called Real Women Have Cures. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, so there, and the fun fact about those shows is that they're not bringing musical theater composers. Right. They are bringing like pop or folk. Mexican uh, Mexican pop folk composers or like famous artists in Mexico or in that that they don't do musical theater. Right. Um, I'm not saying this is wrong. I mean, I mean maybe this is the right decision. Maybe this is the right path. I mean, the only thing is I don't have the job because of that. But <laughs> you know, because I'm a composer that I'm supposed to write musicals. If it, if I'm not composing musical music for for Mexican musicals. So it's like, so right. yes, I, yeah, you know. So I, I think that that's something um, and that they have realized, I mean, like in, in, in other shows, they have realized that sometimes when they bring like like a famous pop songwriter, at the end, they, they put like a musical theater writer to help him with the show, you know I mean? Because we know that it's, it's not the same. Right. So, um, so I think that's one of the, of the things that are happening with, with uh, with Latino musicals now that they are trying to go safe, so they are trying to write about this show that I mean, like Water for Chocolate uh, was a very famous movie back uh, at the time. Real Women Have Cure was a very successful HBO movie as well. I mean, they're going in that direction as all producers have do ha has been doing all the time, going with with big titles and going with composers and people that they have some kind of name so they can attach it to the to the show and hopefully that's gonna open more doors for people like oh, like like myself and all all these latinx composers that we are somewhere out there like trying to 
to tell our own stories as well. Yeah, I hope so. You also mentioned um, bilingualism, which um, I thought would be good to talk about as well. Um, what what is that exactly, and and how does it how does it work with musical theater? I I think that is we want to be. Uh, if we want to be honest with our stories in this country, specifically in this country that is, it was made and founded and, um, you know, and created by people from all around the world that they speak many other languages. I think that one of the things that we're not seeing on stage, because it's not, a, I mean, for example, back in the time, we know that, um, and for example, Phantom of the Opera is not supposed to be happening in London. It's not supposed to be, it's supposed to be happening in Paris, France. Right. Right. And they're not speaking French. Right. So I know we have this conception that, okay, there's the show is in English, but they're supposed to be speaking in French. I mean, because this show is happening in France. Uh, so for a long time, that has been the device that we have been using with many, many shows. It doesn't matter where the story is taking place. But I think there's a new opportunity for shows to appeal to other kind of people that not only speak English, that they are bilingual or trilingual, or that they don't even speak English, and to have the chance to see on Broadway or of Broadway or, or any kind of regional theater in the States, not, not only the States, around the world, is story that can be that use the language in a more honest way, incorporating like the language that the story is supposed to be happening in some way. For example, I, I do that every, as I told you before, that I, I used to go to see a show that is supposed to be happening in New York City and all the people on stage look very different to the people that I just saw right. on the street. It's exactly with the, with the language. I mean, it's, it's a lot of opportunity to bring different languages to tell stories uh, and to be more organic and honest with the stories that we're telling. Myself, I'm struggling. I mean, there's a moment that I, of course I started, my English was even worse like 10 years ago. Uh, but you know, it's, it's funny that as I start to learn English, I start to losing my Spanish a little bit. Mm. And then there's a moment that I, I, I'm speaking in Spanish and I forgot a word and I don't know how to say it in Spanish. So I jumped into English. And 20 years ago, I used to make fun of the people in Mexico that they studied in, in the United States. And they went back to Mexico, like speaking like in Spanglish because ah, why are you speaking like that? Don't be ridiculous, you know? Okay. And, and now that I'm here, that happened to me. You know, we, we, we don't know till we are actually in, in that in that experience. So like that, like, like going back and forth from English to Spanish, that is something very organic for me, only because I'm not good now speaking either or, or one or other, you know, I just jump to whatever language I feel comfortable in the moment. Uh, or my son, my son that is learning those two languages since he was born, he most of the time he's speaking Spanglish. Right. He says sentences like with two, two, three words in English, two, three words in Spanish, like randomly. There's no rule for him. 
And I think all that's related with this bilingualism, uh, the trying to be honest with the story that you're going to tell. Right. And if there's an opportunity for that, we need to take advantage of that and use it to tell stories. Yeah, that I was going to say, yeah, it just it seems just like another layer of authenticity. And it's not, it's not only with Spanish. I mean, it's right. also with, with uh, Mandarin, with Yiddish, with, I mean, it's with other, any other kind of language, depending the culture and depending where the story is happening and also depend what are the rules you're going to set for the show, for your show, you know, like right. what right. is going to be the device. Maybe, for example, right now I'm writing a musical where all the songs are in Spanish, mm-hmm. but all the book is in English. Mm. So we're going to experiment and we're going to see what happens with that. It, it's it's enough so the audience can get the story or are we going to need to translate some of the Spanish lyrics to English? I mean, we're just like starting to write that. Uh, and I'm really, actually, the, a, a few months ago, I have a little, um, you know, like 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 a collaboration, uh, no disagreement, but we were just like, like in this... Uh, the book writer is also the, direct, the director mm-hmm. and she was saying, oh, maybe we need to translate the song or maybe we need to add uh, super titles in some way when we, and I, and I was telling him, I, I don't, I was telling her, I don't want to apologize with the, I mean, I have watched movies all my cha- my childhood or all my teenage years in English reading Spanish super titles. In me- back in Mexico, mm-hmm. and I had never enjoyed the movies, right? Because all that time, the only thing I, ha- I I haven't been watching movies. I have been reading movies. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very different experience. So I don't want the audience coming to that is gonna come to see that show. I mean, I, th- this is what I think. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not saying that that is that is the solution. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be like reading the worst of what we are singing in Spanish. Maybe it's going to be a world when if we said the song in the right way, the song is going to be a kind of anti-musical song. I mean, the song maybe is not going to move the story forward because obviously it's in Spanish and maybe the audience is not going to follow the story through the song. But the song is going to be more, uh, it's going to work more like a, a Bertolt Brecht, uh, you know, like, like in more in a Brechtian way that is going to more about the commentary or about the emotion about where what the language listening to other language is taking you and what the music is taking you instead of the lyrics in mm-hmm. english as there's were supposed to be you know i don't know and i just like having these conversations maybe it's going to work maybe it's not going to work uh, maybe we're going to end having super titles or subtitles or maybe someone is going to translate. So I don't know what's going to be, right. what's going to happen at the end. But I think that we need to take a, a, um, a risk. Yeah. And it, we need to challenge ourselves and we, we need to challenge the audience as well. And and hopefully, hope some, I mean, ho- hopefully it's going to be enough. And this is like, and and, and it's going to be enough the songs in English with a, with a book. I mean, the song in Spanish with a book in English. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, not, I love that. I mean, I feel like I I'm game to to be in that in that kind of, to be seeing that kind of show where where maybe I don't understand all the the lyrics because they're in a language that I don't 
speak or understand, but if if the show if the storytelling is is working, then it you know. Yeah, it's also I, my wife always made fun of me because I I always do like like um, uh, I always try to relate everything with food. Mm-hmm. I don't know why like like, but it's like when you're trying new food, uh, you're never gonna know if you like if you not if you don't try right. it, <laughs> and sometimes you try it and you don't even know what it is, right. and you are, you are enjoying and liking the food. Mm-hmm. You don't know what it is. It's like like Spanish for an English speaker. You right. you don't under you don't understand what is made of or what what is actually the flavor. But mm-hmm. at the moment that you put it in your mouth, it's provoking something on you. You know you are yeah. enjoying or you are not like. I mean something is happening in your with your uh, palate. You know. Yeah, I'm thinking now. Like, is did the band's visit have some? Not at not like major songs all in Hebrew, but they I think they yeah they have a, in, yeah they sprinkled in some Hebrew here and there. It made it feel very authentic, and I don't I don't think anybody was like oh I couldn't understand that line. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I, I think for example I think they might have had subtitles. I can't remember, but in some kind of musical, not all the musicals work in this way. To find a way that the audience don't notice when they're speaking and they were singing. Mm. You know that that is a, a whole thing all together. Right. I, I think a lot of Sondheim is like that. That that you don't realize they when they start to sing. Right. Uh, and in and in some musical that is a good like a good rule like a good device to work like that. That you don't you're not supposed the audience is not supposed to realize the, the show ends and and they just were so into the story that they didn't know when they were singing and they were speaking because they just were they were just following the story. Yeah. I think with the language could be something similar that they don't even realize when they're speaking English or Spanish or Mandarin or Hebrew or whatever they're speaking because they're so into the story that whatever they listen to just feel part of the story. Right. And they just go for it. They just go into that path with you. Let's move on. Haha, uh-huh, to our next section, which is uh, why is this so good? And we'll be talking about the song "Move On" from Sunday in the Park with George. So, why did you pick this song for why is this so good? You know, this is the the kind of song that I can listen over and over and over, and I cry every single time that I listen to the song. I sing it. The character is there's not there's impossible to be more human than this, you know. It, it's and and I, I think you're gonna think exactly as 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 I think about this. That is a show that uh, we as creators we feel uh, really connected mm-hmm. in many 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 ways. Uh, I think it's with every single line is wisdom. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's like it's like a like like a masterclass and not not only wisdom and in, in the way that is written but in what it said what it, it actually said it has a lot of lines that one of my favorite lines that is like my mantra uh, it's um it's my favorite line ever is that joy may have been mistaken that choosing was not i have nothing to say you have many things 
Well, nothing that's not been said. Said by you, don't I you? I do not know where to go. And nor did I. I want to make things that count. Things that I did what I had to do. What am I to do? I'm the kind of person that I just go for it. And I think this is very, very true that the problem is when you don't make a decision, when you don't choose. Right. Uh, uh, there, there's, there's a Mexican uh, saying, um, I'm going to say in, in Spanish that they say, I don't, no quiero ser como el perro de las dos tortas. That means I don't want to be like the dog of the two two cakes hmm. when when you you want one cake and you you're just in the middle and there's one moment that none of those cakes are there anymore you know right. you just have to go you need to go for one or the other one right and a lot of a lot of people like they don't know or they don't like to choose i mean they say oh i don't know what to do i don't and like this line, it has like a many, many, many. I mean, that's that one of the things that that like me about this song. It's it like that it's all is wisdom all the way. Uh, mm -hmm. Look at what you want, not at where you are, not at what you'll be. Look at what you want, not at where you are, not at what you'll be. Look at all the things you've done for me. Opened up my Taught me how to see, notice every tree, notice every tree. Understand, the understand the light, concentrate I on want love. To love, I want to explore the light, I want to know how to get through, through to something new, something of my own. Anything you do, let it come from you, then it will be new. Yeah. I mean, this is this is this is all wisdom because everything is already out there. I mean, we're not gonna create anything new. I mean, all music, all lyrics are we're speaking the with the, using the same numbers, notes, the same alphabet. The same, you know, everything is there. It's not like we're gonna create something new or a new language, you know, even if we start doing this Spanish thing, it's already out there. But being honest, that is, is I, I didn't think about this before, but this is just, uh, sec, uh, it's, it's just like confirming what I've been telling from the beginning. It's about being honest. Let it come from you, then it will be new. Right. It's just about being honest when you're writing. Doesn't matter 
uh, while you're grinding, but you need to grind coming from honesty. Anything you do, let it come from you. Then it will be new. Give us more to see. Just do. I mean, just do it. it, it it's another thing uh, as a director when uh, uh, there's something people is to worry about. Oh, but where is this character from? Or what is his background, her background? Or why he's... And I, 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 I like to tell my actors, don't worry about all that. I mean, the audience, they're never going to see that on stage. Right. The only thing that they're going to see on stage is what you actually do. So just do something on stage. It doesn't matter what you do, just do it. The problem is when you are like overthinking. It's, I think that applies when writing, when acting, and when living. I mean, with your life, you just have to do things. Yeah, it's so funny. I mean, yeah, as you say, like it, it really is about your anybody's life, really. And I remember, like, it was so funny in my in my. Um, in my day job, one time my manager, this is in like a, in the corporate world, my manager just suddenly referenced this song. I didn't even know he knew it, but he was wow. talking about moving on, you know, or, or, you know, taking risks and, you know, and all that. And he was like, I think there's this song from Sunday, that show Sunday in the park with George move on. And I was like, I didn't know you knew that song. You know? <laughs> wow. I mean, and that, that, that's so important. And this song is, this song feels like Sondheim's, um, like, almost probably like his manifesto in a way. Like, this is, <laughs> it could be like what, you know, what he tell, it's almost like what he could tell himself, what, you know, and then it's, you know, as you say, like wisdom for, for everybody. Yeah, you, you know, something something that I like to always to find in, in, in music and in shows is surprises. Mm -hmm. And this show, this song, even is the same, the, the whole way through, it's exactly the same. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same pattern. Like, it has a, a couple of moments that it actually stops completely mm. when it's something important to, to, to listen to. But all the time is, and they just some subtle surprises in the harmony going chromatic, but it's, it's the same, the same, the same. Yeah. And all the wisdom is coming from the words. Right. You know, so you, you're not being distracted by the music. The music is just like, like this beautiful um, path. Yeah. That it, it's, it's almost perfect. You're just walking through and the surprises are just hanging in the trees, you know, right. all this word of wisdom yeah. that you're finding as you're going to the I think it's just I mean no one better to, than Sondheim to, right. to tell and stories even, right they even say in the lyric notice every tree like notice yeah notice everything that, <laughs> you know that that's here that we're that I'm telling you I love and I love that it's dot the character of dot that comes back um you know yeah that's yeah. also weird that this is a kind of 11 o'clock number and usually 11 o'clock numbers are like solo songs you know you have just this character singing big mm -hmm. to god you know and in this case no it's not a solo number it's a duet and you have this this um i mean 
you have that uh, coming back uh, to really put everything together because at the end, even it's supposed to be his song, the wisdom is coming from her. Right. You know? Right. I, like him. like in real life, all, almost all the time, wisdom are coming from women and not from men. You know? <laughs> it's, like, it's like real life. That right. we think that we are the smart, the smartest one, but but it is not that is not true. I mean, there's always the other perspective that uh, that is that teach us how, uh, what is really the, the path that we ha- we need to follow. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so it's it's dot you know, and and her, I guess, uh, and George, who is not George Seurat, but his what is it, great grandson? Yeah. yeah. And uh, he's gone back to Paris and he, he's, he feels stuck. And that's when she appears. He feels stuck in his, his art and the, yeah. uh, as an artist. And that's well, when she appears. Uh, but in some way, we are, we are our ancestors all the time, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. It's like, it's a full circle. I mean, she appears to him because in some way she's still George. You know, she's, I mean, he's still we are part of this line of people right. uh, just trying to be better than the ones before us, mm-hmm. you know? And sometimes when we're looking to the past, we get stuck. We're just to worry about what happened before us or what we just did yesterday instead of moving on, right. making a decision and moving on. And I think I, always, even I'm a composer, I always feel very attracted by uh, by by things that make sense dramatically. You know, it's more about the drama than uh, than having the best the best music ever. You know, it's mm-hmm. not it's not about making great music. Sondheim is 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 the best one ever. I, I don't think it's gonna be someone like him ever. Like mm-hmm. that has that master uh, to tell stories. So so. Um, yeah, I um, didn't notice it when I first saw the first saw the show and had you know watched it for a while. But only when Sanhai mentioned it at one point that the line "We've always belonged together" is like the culmination of their relationship from when they sing uh, "We do not belong together" and now "We've always belonged together" comes back in this song. So. I don't think I, yeah, I don't think I noticed it as much when, until I heard Sondheim talk about it, but, uh, but that's also in this song, which is like the, the culmination of George and Dot's relationship. So let's move on to the final section, something wonderful. Um, just something that uh, we're looking forward to in musical theater that we want to give a shout out to or uh, that's coming up that we're excited about. To feel an out, a live audience again. I think I think that's one of the main things that I'm, I'm uh, really excited about. But also I think uh, we talked a little bit about this at, at the beginning. Uh, that I don't want to go back to normal, as they as they like to say, 
Right. Um, I don't think, uh, I think that the normal, whatever it was normal before, I, I, I don't think that it was right. I don't think that the normal that we, that we what, and, and this normal that we, we knew before uh, wasn't right for many, 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 many people. I mean, we were, we get used to that normal, uh, but we just realized during, I mean, we, we already knew it, but I think this past two years, uh, this whole situation with COVID and all these marches and all these protests and all, all our like African American brothers, all our black brothers, our Asian uh, brothers and sisters, uh, our Latino people. I mean, we are standing by ourselves and we are uh, letting other people know that that we've that we are here that it wasn't right the way it was before is we if we all do what we are supposed to do we're gonna get there i mean mm -hmm. i'm not supposed to produce musicals i'm supposed to create them and to right. write them you know uh the, i mean everyone has a very specific role as a community and then in the society i mean like going even like in a more a broader in a broader uh, sense and i'm really looking forward for that change I hope that I can see that change and I hope that I can be part of that change. That I, uh, that's my goal uh, as an artist uh, and be able to open many, many doors uh, for many other people like myself trying to, to create and tell these uh, new and different stories. Uh, maybe this is too general, uh, but because uh, because I don't know what is the show that I'm excited to see. I mean, because the thing I, I'm excited to see are these new things that are supposed to happen. Right. You no. Know? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel similarly. Like, I'm hoping, you know, musical theater um, brings, they, that people start producing, you know, new, new artists, new works. I mean, was glad to see that, um, the production of A Strange Loop at Woolly Mammoth in D.C. is happening. I saw Shana Taub's musical, I think now called Suff's, uh, the Suffragette musical is coming yeah. to the public, things like that. That that That's exciting to me. Um, but yeah, definitely we need more. We need more new musicals by new writers or else I'm I'm not going to be that excited. And and it's going to we're going to create a change. Uh, um... And I hope to be able to see it and be part of that. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Scene to Song. You can write to scenetosong at gmail.com with a comment or question about an episode or about musical theater. We'll answer your questions on our season finale. Please also email if you'd like to be a podcast guest. Love this podcast? Help it find more listeners by taking a moment to rate it on Apple Podcasts and leaving a review. Follow us on Instagram at scene to song on Twitter at Scene2Song, and on Facebook at scene to song with Shoshana Greenberg Podcast. The theme music you are hearing is by Julia Meinwald. And check back here in two weeks for our next episode. <laughs>